trending news right now. So what's happened in social media in the last 24 hours? We take a look at that. And joined by a new team member today, social commentator Ade Kunle Owolabi. Ade, uh, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Fanda. Uh, thank you for having me. Our pleasure. So let's start with hashtag land expropriation. The smaller parties in Parliament have united to stop the ANC from passing the 18th constitutional amendment that they wanted to. And uh, the ANC just doesn't seem to be winning much these days. It, 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 it is a, it's a very um, shocking moment in, in the in the country as a whole, and also on, on Twitter Street, if I'll put it that way. Mm. And everyone has, were actually shocked that this bill could not be passed. And it has always been the it has always been a move that everyone like really expected. What what exactly is the reason behind this? Why can this bill not be passed? And there's been mixed reactions, divided reaction, if I would put it that way. And and what are we going to do about it? And we've seen um, Claude Shibambo release a video as well on Twitter and on, on social media, actually, and, and everyone probably throwing their weight behind EFF, and we don't even know if this is even going to go to the court. And tweets from different people from different demographics, obviously, it's different background, and because uh, the issue of the land expropriation is actually something that is very sensitive to the history of South Africa. And we, we, I'm sure this conversation will be back again on, 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 on social media uh, as soon as we get to see any political organized party get to make a move on this particular topic. It is definitely a sensitive issue, and we understand the sentiments of the ANC in that they want to bring back land to those who are previously disadvantaged. We do need that land. However, they needed 267 <laughs> votes. They only garnered 204 votes. So the major issue of there not being any agreement with the ANC is the nil uh, um, compensation. Exactly, exactly, exactly that. And I... And I, and I I mean, I would, I, I can understand where people, why we have the divided opinion about it because the majority of the country want this land to be given to them, but it's just very shocking. We would not have expected this bill would not have passed through, and that, I think that has also been something that um, the people of South Africa and also the international community are watching the decision of what has actually um, emerged from the parliament on this as well. Um, I picked up um, tweets also from um, the South Africans and Dasura as well, drumming the support on, on this, on this um, outcome as well. And I mean, I think the main issue is also the uncertainty that this would create. And the DA also just saying that investment will, you know, be shy to come forward to South Africa if there is that uncertainty regarding property rights. So in terms of the accusations then by ANC opening speaker Matole Mochecha, who said these small parties are being in an unholy alliance against the governing party, would you go as far as saying this is a fair statement? Um, I mean, you know, in politics, uh, people will say anything to look good. And people will say any any statement to look the part as well. I do not think 
it, it is it is fair. It, it honestly, I do not think is a fair statement to make because ANC did not have they did not have their way this time around. And I think there are other ways to to go around it. And they need to ask the question: Why didn't why didn't we get their support? And I think. Um, can we really be honest with ourselves for again in, in, the, in the country? What do we really want about this land? What do we want to happen? Do we want it with compensation? Do we not want it without compensation? I think it is something that needs to be discussed uh, like an MBs or like a meeting where the people of South Africa, because South Africa belongs to everyone that is in it, be it minority, be it majority as well. I think everyone needs to draw their cards and be open-minded about this conversation around it, then leaving it to ANC to drive this, this move. Is the EFF being open-minded uh, against uh, or, or um, on this issue if they are accusing the ANC uh, that they're saying, you know, because we've known the EFF has spoken about this, it's top of their manifesto, but they're accusing the ANC of moving away from the original motion to expropriate land without compensation, which was moved by them. Uh, the EFF leader, Julius Malema, saying that they've asked to, you know, what they've asked to approve in terms of what the ANC wants it's taking us many steps back. <laughs> it, uh, I actually saw that saw that as well. And we all, we, I mean, would every party have their policies, every party have their manifestos, every party have their vision of what they stand for. And it's, I'm not really surprised that EFF was really, you know, were able to, put their response out there on time and they're very displeased with with um with what they have initially agreed obviously with ANC but we should also try to uh, I would still want to say we should try to look at it from a different angle um where ANC needs to be really be honest on where they stand about this and why they're making this decision and why they need to um, look at. I, I wouldn't want to put it on a majority or minority view. Of course, if we were to go to vote on this issue of the of the land, we all know how where it will it will fall through. But I think it is something that we need to be very very careful about. It's a very sensitive topic, and we've seen how it happened in Zimbabwe, how it was handled in Zimbabwe, and I think ANC might also be mindful of what could be the possible outcome if we do it this way or we do it the other way around. And and we could now be looking at is ANC putting the, the, the right of the people first or we putting the, the economy first? Mm. Yes. And you are right. I mean, we do need to be careful. And I guess the just opposition becomes between being careful and being open-minded. If we look at the EFF, then as far as the electioneering campaign was concerned, they were even willing to say they want to take over some uh, properties in, in uh, Ascenton and convert those for uh, public housing <laughs> for people. I don't know if that's being careful, uh, or if that's being open-minded, or if that's being drastic. Uh, obviously, that is being drastic, and it should not happen. It is just, it is just you know, talk. It's just a talk show, and and you know, with there needs to be legalities around making about things like that, and that is definitely not going to happen. All right, let's talk hashtag Nedlec now. The council throwing their support behind these mandatory COVID nineteen vaccinations that we are uh, still debating about and uh, are in the cards, though. So they're saying they are behind this. They recommend that we go ahead with mandatory vaccinations. It, uh, I mean, it, 
when the 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 statement by Nedlark is it's actually welcomed by the by the business community and and we all know why they're doing this and I'm also not surprised that they have to throw their their weight behind the, the government and because it is very important that we have this conversation because anti-vaxxers they also have their right not to be vaccine but we need to look at the bigger picture here and there have been um, a lot of conspiracies I, I mean we look at the start of what that South Africa looked for uh, on, on Google last year and at some point in time we were very surprised that a topic like the 5G and bringing coronavirus was part of the top conversation that was searched for last year in South Africa mm-hmm. and and this could be one of the reasons why people are not taking the vaccine. I am not a campaign for vaccine myself, but I believe if you're not going to take the vaccine, you should not stop. It should not be an impact uh, or try to bring South Africa back to lockdown or also slow the growth, uh, the the, pro- the growth of uh, the progress that we expected to see in the country. Of course. I mean, most countries in the West have actually banned South Africa and some started countries uh, because of the Omicron that was discovered. And, you know, and the the South African president who recently concluded his his trip and the West African tour um, had also called on them. The decision was actually really too drastic and a knee-jerk reaction, so so to say. So let's not train the support um, be, behind the government on this, I think it is something that every everyone needs to look into and and put their uh, put their money where their mouth is. Um, we need to move forward as a country. We have lost families. We have lost. We have actually lost loved ones. We've lost colleagues. We've lost mayor. We've mm-hmm. lost government people. We've lost people mm-hmm. to the vaccine. And even a lot of unrecognized people have also lost their lives. So we need to begin to look at the bigger picture. And I think that's a very good call from Nedlag. And I mean, we advocate for everyone's rights to be upheld. Uh, however, I mean, it's inevitable, I would say, that life will be more difficult if you are against vaccinations. Also, Ned like saying that also, uh, let's also have this for certain venues and only those who are vaccinated should be allowed in, in certain venues. What do you make of that? I, I think it is, it is a very, um, it's also a good call too, because in, in uh, we need to, not like we need to um, copy what is done out there, but we also need to sort of start to seek inspiration from a country like the UAE uh, on how they have actually approached um, dealing with um, coronavirus for example you cannot go to the mall if you do not if you are not vaccinated it is it is not even negotiable and because in a situation where we have young kids that have been exposed to this as well because young kids are not wearing masks and there's just a lot of dynamics around it you should know that when you are out there and you're not vaccinated you are also putting yourself at risk. There's a possibility that you might even have it and not show the symptoms, and you might pass it on to someone unknowingly. So this, are, this is just logic, and this is this is actually what people need to be rational and be logical with their thought. And this is I know we have rights not to be vaccinated. It is okay, but when you're in the public domain, you know that you're putting yourself at risk. You're also putting other people also at risk. 
does South Africa have sufficient supplies of vaccines and, and should they run out, uh, do we have contingencies? Um, I mean, it's, I'm sure they, they have been uh, funds available to procure more vaccines into the country. And I do know that they, they, if, they, if they have shortage, I'm sure the DOH can make a plan and bring more vaccine to the country and, and continue this. I think the, 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 the conversation is actually they've been trying to get people to, do, to get vaccinated. And I know there's a lot of campaign advertising on this, on this conversation. I think we need to also um, get to understand um, why people are not getting vaccinated. And I think we, we even so that we get to compromise. If you're not going to get vaccinated, you need to stay away from the from the public space. Yeah. Well, MTN uh, the MTN group is saying they're not. Uh, I mean, they would be enforcing mandatory COVID nineteen vaccinations for their employees uh, from January. It's interesting because also Discovery back in July was one of the first uh, monopolies to call for vaccine mandatories and. At that time, we were all up in arms. We didn't understand why they were doing what they were doing. And at this point, they would seem like they were the forward thinkers uh, who were, you know, prematurely <laughs> and negatively judged. Yeah, absolutely. It was, I remember when Discovery made that move and seeing the likes of MTN also making the, the decision to, to make it a mandatory um, call. And I see a lot of private and um, companies following that route as well because we're not entirely sure how long coronavirus is going to be around for us, with us, and we can only manage it. And vaccine is a, it's a progress. It's a, it's a way for us to overcome it, as we have seen. And I think it is something that needs to be encouraged. And and everyone, I think bigger bigger companies also are going to, begin to follow the likes of the MTN because mm-hmm. they are sort of encouraging them and inspiring everyone to say, okay, you know what, for us to win this battle against um, coronavirus, we all need to stand together and order each other and, and get vaccinated together to, to, to win this battle. We'll continue with our trending topics with Adekunle Owolabi, social commentator. we we'll take a short break here on SFM Sound Awake. Zazondo saying, good morning, my sister and the crew. I don't understand my fellow South Africans who don't want to be vaccinated. Omicron variants making headlines. Yo. All right, let's take a short break. Trending news right now. Let's discuss uh, or continue then that discussion on social media trends in the last 24 hours. Joining us is social commentator Adekunle Owolabi to unpack. Let's talk hashtag PSL now, Ade. Uh, the Premier Soccer League chairperson, Irvin Koza, confirming that they are dealing with the Kaiser Chiefs matter uh, in terms of the DSTV Premiership matches. They withdrew. What is the story? What happened? Um, it's, it's a very, uh, I think, that call made by um, Dr. Alvin Koza, we, we, we can't really, um, we just have to wait for the outcome of what is going to happen regarding that. But one thing we know is that the league will continue and how they are going to deal with, uh, with the issue with Kaiser Chiefs uh, becomes um, undecided at the moment. But... Um, I think it's only fair to actually consider the rest of the team and knowing that there have been like uh, some sort of uh, procedures for the players 
not to to keep. I'm not trying to blame the players on what happened because in, even in the English Premier League, we have seen cases where players get infected and it, it goes across the whole squad. And I think they sometimes have to evaluate what what could uh, what is the impact, what could go wrong. Um, if who is Kedachi is going to play with? Can we postpone the matches and let the other games go on? Things like that. Kedachi might, might might need to miss some games. But we are, it's still all speculation at the moment. But um, we will just have to keep um, a, a, a close eye on the on the PSL chief uh, chairman rather to to tell us what the outcome is going to be. But um, I feel. For case that call because they probably want the team, the, the 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 game to be postponed. But it is a very tight corner um, right now for the chairman. But um, we can only just uh, wait for them to on the decision on case um specifically at the, at, the, at the football club. What were they supposed to do though? Because I mean, them not showing up for the match against Cape Town City at over the the weekend at FNB is because. 31 players and staff tested positive for COVID-19. So what could honestly be uh, uh, dealt with here? What what else were they supposed to do? Uh, there, there isn't much they could do because they didn't have uh, enough players to play. And, 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 you know, and I think maybe there was a communication issue. I'm not entirely sure why. They actually staged the game exactly because this this is a football club that has been affected that have actually been uh, affected by Corona uh, COVID nineteen coronavirus, and I don't think it's actually ideal for the game to have proceeded knowing what has actually happened to them. So it's it's a it's a very tricky situation, and I think we also need to um, be a little bit understanding as well because this could happen to any of the clubs you know most of the players uh, it, it, it could it depend on the lifestyle or what they're doing or uh, how are they carrying themselves when they're not playing football so i i'm just looking at it in a situ in a case where it could have been orlando pirates it could have been any other club out there and and, and that is something we need to be be cautious about, and as Dr. Avicosa already said, he said it's very important that it needs to be fair to all the 32 teams in the league, and and it's not like he's not going to give in to Kadesh's request, but this is something that they need to discuss internally, and and because has actually requested that this for the postponement, but they can't just say yes, we are postponing the league, but they need to have their talks. And they will definitely discuss, um, actually talk to the media about that next decision on that. And you thought sports was just sports, eh? We just sit and enjoy and watch and have fun, but there's definitely so much more that goes behind the scenes. It's politics, it's, so, it's all sorts of things. Yeah, there's so much. All right, yeah, there's let's so talk. much that goes behind it. Mm, mm. Hashtag Shell now. Uh, protesters, those who are environmentalists, uh, gathered in Plettenberg Bay to Cape Town denouncing the seismic survey testing that Shell wants to conduct in an area, uh, even though they filed an urgent application with the court and that was uh, denied. So, I mean, coming from COP26, this is uh, something, I guess, that's quite a big blow to environmentalists. And I don't know how you connect this to to that, that meeting of the United Nations Climate Change Conference that just concluded. 
Um, it, it's, it's a very, it's also a, um, something that was really shocking to see. And I mean, Greenpeace is also, yeah, like the, if I would say, it's Greenpeace being the pressure point here on this, on this issue with Shell. And Shell, I mean, looking at the Shell's reputation, when we look at environmental issues on how they conduct their business. I mean, this is a company that has been um, dragged to court by um, environmentalists also in Nigeria as a country as well. And it is just surprising that they had to lose on this on this B2Stock shelf from what they're planning to do. But it is also, what is the government's, stand on this and that question keeps coming are we going to put profit before people and and i I know that there is a word that you find in almost every government building that says battle pele putting people first and are we going to how are we going to hold government accountable on on in situations like this because an ordinary citizen Everyday citizen may not be and might not be an environmentalist, but of the other people of the community, are they aware of the consequences of what could happen here? Mm-hmm. So we need to. It, it becomes. It's, this is not even apples or oranges, and there are a lot of consequences that could actually um, be, be suffered by the community should shall be allowed to. To, to go ahead with the with um, the um, plan of what they're going trying to do there, so it, it's a very uh, tricky situation. I didn't really get to see a lot of um, reaction on this because it, it it actually looks like a battle between environmentalists and just Shell, which I think the com- people of the community needs to get involved now and also get to decide on which side they're going to sit on. And I think that is also could be um, the reason why the outcome favored Shell, if I'll put it that way, because I, I, not like I have an expectation, but I think the, the, if the environmentalists are sort of left alone to deal with this issue. And are the people from that region, are they in support of this or are they not? And I mean, Pleasantville Bay is known for uh, tourism activities and these environmentalists are very concerned about the ocean, the, the, mm. the environment. So that and, lack and all of, of education that. and I guess ignorance on the part of the general public could be working in the advancement or the positive sides of, of Shell. There could be an advantage yes. because of, of that, the fact that the general public just lacks information. But, I mean, generally what this or mainly what the seismic survey is said to do is to determine geological features below the Earth's surface. It's going to cost a lot of money, as you say. I mean, the least amount they will spend is about one million, and that is U.S. dollars. And it could possibly go over in the 40 million range in terms of U.S. dollars. So, again, the debate between is it about lives? Uh, Is it about marine life, which is what the environmentalists are trying to protect? Or is it about uh, the the money? Is it about making sure that, that there is that money? But then we look at this. I mean, geological features below the Earth's surface. Is this something that you think a general public member will be even concerned and interested in? 
Uh, definitely not. Yeah, I mean, um, if we talk about lack of education, even if we educate people and say this is what this means, do you think people will care? No, definitely not. And and it's, it's, it's very just very upsetting for the environmentalists knowing that we just got back from this COP meeting and where everyone put their hand on a pen and signed commitment agreement, and then we had this. So it also put the the old gathering into this retreat on are we really gathering to save the earth or are we just gathering for the sake of gathering? So this is just, and I think um, politicians and environmentalists or advocacies needs to have a common ground. Do we really need to get to the cost to, to battle these things out? And whose interest are we putting ahead of everyone? So these are conversations. I do not think going to the courts um, would was was if I mean if going to the court is going to help. Of course, they would go that far. I think they have actually gone to the court when um, conversations, petitions were not answered, and it's sad that they lost. But we also need to, if Shell could prove that this is not going to damage the ocean floor, it's not going to have an, any. Um, geographical, geological um, impact, or geographical impact, or environmental impact around the area. So, this, but I think also, even even if I'm just putting in paraphrase, if this was not even going to have an impact, but because it's Shell, so the the tainted brand of Shell also makes them to to look like you no, know, we think Shell is. is it's not really being honest with us with all this and all this thing. So there's a lot of things, and I think Shell might need to have a, some sort of brand reputation uh, work to be done here. They need to now get to talk to to engage these environmentalists and say, "Hang on, this is what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. We are mindful of whatever it is." I think they need to have that conversation and to avoid. Because I know these environmentalists will not back down. They're adamant with their requests, with their demands. And this region is very precious to them. Do not touch Cape Town. Do not touch President Bay. Do not touch this neighborhood of ours. And I think it's, you know, like, um, I just believe that they're not getting enough support because um, a lot of people are not really educated and not aware of what or why they're fighting. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes they just a misconception about environmentalists as well, that um, education is also very, very important as well. So we need to know why they're fighting. Why was this trending in the first place? These are questions people need to ask and decide if they want to be on the side of environmentalists or they want to be on the side of Shell. Well, this uh, seismic survey is going to be lasting for about four months. Uh, but also the oil and gas industry has used a seismic survey for more than 60 years. So I don't know if maybe that could be the argument that Shell comes forward with to say, but this has been done for so many years. Why would it be a problem now? However, beyond the four months, if there is any other type of testing of this nature that needs to happen, do you think then they should be looking at other options? Because there are other options that can be using tools like compasses, like rock hammers, like feed books uh, or field geology, should should that be an option then to say, just to keep the peace? Let's look at other options. I mean, there are definitely other options, and 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 I think as a, South Africa as a country should also um, be looking at alternative energy. We can see the price of petrol right now in the country, and we have seen. Even imagine economies are actually looking at um, having 
gas, uh, liquefied gas engine for their cars. They're trying to look for alternatives. Uh, in, in like uh, we have seen car makers also, like Volvo. In in a, in a few years, they will stop making petrol cars. They are going electric. So the world is going electric. The world is embracing alternative energy. So this is something I think. Um, as a country, we need to also begin to look at how to position the country in that direction as well, and even other than considering this um, type of approach. Okay, let's finalize with hashtag Gambia now. President Adama Barrow being re-elected there in the first election since Yaya Jema went into exile in 2016. Of course, oppositions are saying they're not happy with these results. They're saying that there was an unusual delay in the tallying of the votes. Yes, it's, it's, it's actually a very um, another interesting issue. And also, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a new era, it's a new tide happening in Gambia. And, and obviously, um, I cannot exactly tell who are the people that are not happy. Are these loyalists to Yaya? Or the people of, or the, the actual citizens of, of of Gambia, and so if we look at um, the scorecard of um, Adama Barrow, for an example, how he got into power in the first place, and him being reelected again, and I think when when Adama Barrow came and got into power, it was a very shocking. Um, it, it was a, a shocking um, move. Um, it was a revolution, something totally different. The people of Gambia wanted because they wanted um, the Yaya to be out, and Yaya, Yaya, is obviously would want to go back to the country. And, and I think we, we, I can really say we can see the hand of Yaya in this, but we should know that despite Yaya being. Uh, ruling for that long time, he's got some sort of hold also on the country. But and I also like the the Adama's response onto this. He's willing to to talk about this. He's willing to. Um, I mean, ECOWAS troops are still in Zambia right now, mm. and they are they are not entirely sure what could happen because they would not want to see the military coming in or trying to disrupt this resort because a few people are not happy about it. And it's just that we might not, we're not entirely sure if these are um, Yaya Chinese, uh, uh loyalists. And, but I, I think this is something that ECOWAS needs to really be careful about. AU needs to step in. And we've seen situations where, I mean, like in Sudan, where there was a coup, and so when elections are being disputed, they need to still be that dialogue. Okay, what is wrong? What is the observer saying? There are a lot of uh, process around this, and 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 as I said, Adama's response is actually very good because it's actually calming the tension, and he wasn't being arrogant about it. He's willing to negotiate. He's willing to discuss. If we need to do a, a, another poll, we will do another poll. But so I think that is actually something that is um, really commendable from from the from the reinstated president. So and would that be the positives then? Because if we're looking at this as a test of of Gambia's democratic progress after this era of Yaya Jame, 
Are those the positives then, if we are trying to leave the Jame era behind? Yes, it is. It is a it is a positive one, and and you should know that when well, before um, Yaya become uh, uh, sorry before Adama became the president, um, I mean this, its first um, term, it was uh, it, it, it wasn't even. Um, I think it was something that we're not expecting. It was a shock that he was going to win, and. And knowing that his background from the United Democratic Party, this is a party that um, that actually, um, like Adama served this party, then he moved to National People's Party, and and I think the the United Democratic Party people felt sort of like it should have actually uh, been with them. So this party also are now are now against him as well, and and even though. The, the party, the United Democratic Party, is not affiliated to Yaya, but it's like everyone is now sort of um, against this, um, against him in a way. Maybe there might have been some issues that they had or grudges. It could be grudges that they had because he left the UDP and now is now president of the country through another political party. Yes, and we, so, I guess, continue um, to monitor the situation. Let's leave it there. We are out of yes. time. Thanks again for joining us on this happy Wednesday, Adekunle. You're very much welcome. Appreciate it. Social commentator Adekunle Owolabi discussing what's happened in social media in the last 24 hours. Some of your good morning messages. Nazim Khrotbom on Twitter.